Hello, everybody, and welcome to Three Point Perspective, the podcast about illustration, how to do it, how to make a living at it, and how to make an impact in the world with your art. I'm Jake Parker. I'm Lee White. And I'm Will Terry. And all three of us are professional illustrators. We've all worked for all the major publishers in the business. We've published somewhere around 50, 75 books between us. And we've all taught illustration at the university. Each week we come at you with a different topic in illustration. Sometimes we agree, sometimes we argue, but each time you're gonna learn something brand spanking new. Okay, great. Lee, have you noticed that your camera like jiggles around a lot, like when you move? No. (laughs) (laughs) Let's, um, uh, let's, yeah. If you wanna see Lee's jiggling, (laughs) jiggling. Uh, this podcast is going to be interesting today. We're, this we're is going to be a good one. You got to go to YouTube and look at Jake laughing. He can't. He, he's <laughs> crying right now. He can't even breathe. Come it's, watch the uh, jiggle on YouTube, everyone. Society of Visual Storytelling is our YouTube channel. Oh and we, we jiggle each week. We jiggle. Sometimes we jiggle for you. Sometimes we jiggle for ourselves. <laughs> each oh week. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why that got me so good. I'm dying. Oh, I got tears. Uh, all right. I was going to ask you guys if um, I was going to ask you guys if if we had any follow up on anything from previous episodes. If you had any any NFT stuff, <laughs> NFT stuff you wanted to talk about, or uh, I don't know why I got the tickles. <laughs> I don't. Do things. you have anything, Lee, on that? Uh, um, just one thing. I want to love you, NFT. <laughs> oh, you got no. the loving girl, NFT. <laughs> okay. And oh, I'll God. take you there. <laughs> now, Please. have you made any money off of yours, Lee? No, my mine went through the auction it? process and did not sell. Okay. I had it for sale for a thousand dollars. I just arbitrarily picked that. Um, uh-huh. as you know, if you heard the NFT story, I think they're all valueless, but I probably shouldn't say that out loud in case you want to buy mine. Mine is worth value. <laughs> <laughs> and see, I we, think- we definitely disagree on that. I think some of them will always retain value and I think some of them will crash. So yeah, yeah. but, but like you said in that episode, it's, it's the value of the creator, not really the fact that it's an NFT. I mean, if, right. if Banksy, right. if Banksy drinks coffee yep. and puts it for sale, It'll sell, you know what I mean? Yeah, like I mean, who who did the shoes this past week that were the uh yeah, little somebody, nas somebody, little nas sold out in, in you know yeah. first day, maybe even first couple of hours, and they're a thousand dollars a pair plus. Mm-hmm. You know, if if we came up with our own shoes, they would not sell at a thousand dollar plus and we would not sell mm-hmm. out. So it has to do with who made it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And I will say this too, I found a I found a a, a place uh um a platform that does NFT art right. It checks all my boxes that I had concerns about. Um, you know, it's eco-friendly. It's very, very, it's artist friendly. So it's created by artists. So um, when that thing launches, I'll be sure to talk to you guys about it, but it's really cool. So you're not going to tease what it is, huh? I can't sign an NDA. Oh, so let's move forward and we've got a few questions here 
um, the, okay. from our from our mailbag, our SVS mailbag. So first one is a soft softball slow pitch, and it's this. It comes from Ben. What okay, hold drew- on, hold on one second before oh, you geez. do that. Let's tell yeah. people because all of you at home are or in your car, wherever you're listening, have questions that you are dying to know, and you can send them in to us at our website. You want to give them that mm-hmm. info? So we, we yeah, love so taking questions from you guys. We're building a huge document with all these questions. Yeah. So give them the info. We can't Go to promise SVS. that we'll give you good answers. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't promise we'll give you timely answers. Like if you need right. an answer right away, this is the worst way to get an answer because... <laughs> You know, we're weeks behind these questions coming in. So if it's time sensitive, email us directly, <laughs> message us in uh, in our DMs or something like that. But if you have a question that you want answered on the show, go to svslearn.com, go to click on the little link at the top that says podcast. And there right on the podcast page, there'll be a, a, a submit a question uh, link right there. So... Okay, this one comes from Ben. He says, what drew you to illustration? And Drew's in quotes because it's a, it's a pun. He punned. He punned us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says, I think you've touched on this before, but why are you guys doing illustrations as a career as opposed to something else, even in the art world, like graphic design, fine art, comic books, concept art, etc.? What brought you to where you are right now? And why are you staying on that path? You're a pen pal, Ben. So why illustration, you guys, why didn't you get into graphic design? Why didn't you get into any, any other art field or why, why art at all? Like I have um, friends who are amazing artists and they decided to um, pursue another career path and, and do art as a hobby. Um, so mm-hmm. why, why subject yourself to this life of uncertainty and, 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 uh, <laughs> You know, everything they have to deal with being an artist and an illustrator. Lee looks like he really wants to go first. Mm. Uh, the sad answer for me is is I would be terrible at anything else. That's sort of what it comes down to. Like when I was a teenager going through that kind of phase where you're working all these different jobs, you know, as a landscaper and work food service. And I was a host at a restaurant, fired from all of them. Total disaster. <laughs> Just fired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's- yeah. I remember I was working in a clothing store one time and it was so hot outside and we had to bring all this clothes in from a, from a truck. And the, you know, those circular racks, you know, mm-hmm. that they're in, in the store. It was, well, it was all air conditioned in there and I was so hot and so tired that I got inside the circle rack of, you know, pants or whatever. And mm-hmm. I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I totally fell asleep. And I woke up, like, I guess my foot like had fallen out into the aisle. And then I was like getting nudged and I woke up and there's like, that's yeah, hilarious. You, you can leave. So that's my, that's my skill set outside of illustration, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it does, it does speak to a certain kind of, um, uh, I don't know, personality type. I just never the type that I could do stuff that I didn't really enjoy. And, and, you know, speaking to the other areas of art, I've never heard a graphic designer say, you know, you ask them to go do something on the weekend. They're like, no, man, I got this, I got this personal logo that I'm just dying to work on. You know, that just doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't happen. There's just not a level of passion. I'm, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a, a newsletter and a brochure just for fun. Like you don't hear that. You are going to piss people off because that is not true. People do people doing newsletters and brochures for fun. 
Okay. We sometimes we disagree on this podcast, you guys. This is one of them. Let's let's hear I, it well. I had a job at the University of Maryland in a graphic arts department. And let me let me back up before that. I, I've always loved making art of some kind, drawing, painting. And I got this graphic design job where I could make newsletters, <laughs> logos. I made I, I I was working on a brochure project one time, and this is in the this is in the late 80s. Okay. And I remember I, I'd wake up in the morning and I would go, oh my gosh, pinch myself. I get to go work on this brochure. <laughs> I used to love it. I mean, and I've loved every aspect. I'm not saying of, there's no redeeming quality to do those kind of art forms are, are made. People are great at them, but just the, just the personal satisfaction I would think would wane over time because you're just advertising things or you're just putting down information. I know it's I fun. It's, I think we all tend to, I think we all tend to love the thing that we're, we're into. Now I get you when you're saying like, I think there's an evolution of artists out of the, so I, I think there's phases. I think there's, there's the phase where you're, you know, you're a kid and you're making art and you're making it for fun. And then you, and I remember going to art class in high school and that was my, thing I look forward to all day if I got to go to, you know, the days that I got to go to art class. Then you get out and phase two is you get paid for making art, right? Mm -hmm. And I think most people like my, I, we have to think that other people are like us, right? I mean, I don't know what it's like to be you guys. I'm glad I don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. a scary thought. But uh, joking aside, I think that we, um, we have to think that other people in the world, especially in the art world are, are like us and have similar motivations. And, and I remember the getting this phase two, the getting paid for making art. I didn't care what it was. I just cared that I got to go and do something that wasn't, you know, I was a carpenter's helper. So, and I hated that. Mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't, I wasn't digging footers. I wasn't roofing. I wasn't doing all this other stuff. Um, and I was tickled, but then I think where you are now, Lee, if I'm, if I may be so bold to, to judge you based on you're you're entering phase three, which is you, you know, you can make a living doing, you know, art for hire. And now you want to make art that you want to make. And I do too. I'm in phase three too. It, I mean, that's what gets me excited more so than, than phase two. But I think when you're... I I have a different take. You ready okay. for this? I think if you are an illustrator stuck doing graphic design, you're not going to want to do a brochure on the weekend for fun. I think if you're a graphic designer doing graphic design, heck yeah, you're going to be like designing logos on weekends just for fun. You're going to be mm -hmm. like, I, no, yeah, no. I'm serious. <laughs> Lee, Lee, how no. many graphic designers, how many graphic designers do you follow on Instagram? Tons. No, seriously. <laughs> I follow. Wait, 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 wait. There's graphic designers on there. Yes. <laughs> Come on. Hey, send I your follow... hate mail. You graphic designers listening. Send it at to one, Lee White. At one point, I was following probably 30 different graphic designers on Instagram, and the dudes are the dudes. I should say they're men and women. Um, they are constantly like. The, the when we sit down to do a sketch and, and have fun, 
like they're doing, they're sitting down and designing a logo for fun. And it may not be a logo for anything, but they're just adding it to their, to their portfolio. This one guy I follow, Alan Peters, he's designing a logo for every new thousand followers he gets. So when he goes from 50, 51,000 to 52,000, he does a 52 logo and then a 53 logo and then a 54 logo. And it's super cool. And, um, and so I think if you're really, really into it, it's the thing that you're, that you're doing even for fun. So like, I don't know that. I, I, will, I, will, I will concede that I've got, I've got David Carson's, both his books. You guys know who he is? No. Do I? Oh, classic. You don't must not follow graphic designers. That much. But <laughs> <laughs> David Carson, very famous graphic designer. Um, he was an art director for Raygun magazine, if you remember that. And he did mm-hmm. surfing magazine yeah. for, for years. He was kind oh, of the yeah. responsible for that whole sort of counterculture look with the type, really distressed type and type yeah. sort of all over the place. Um, yeah, and both I've of his books stuff. are very experimental. Uh, one of his books in particular called the end of print it's it's gorgeous and it is it is fine art in my opinion as it's graphic mm-hmm. design as fine art and it's gorgeous mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, another favorite graphic designer of mine is is aaron draplin uh, of uh draplin design company and if you don't know this guy like he is he's a character for one like i love his whole persona and everything but two he's eats breathes lives graphic design and i actually have a book of his but it's it's behind my other book so i can't i can't grab it but um he put together a book which is like it's called pretty much everything which is everything he's ever created from you know in the first 30 years of his career and there's scraps of paper with like little sketches for a, a logo on there there's you know there's all of these like logos that he's collected over the years of garage sales and things like he'll pick stuff up turn it over snap a picture of it um but check him out he's really cool and um i think we're really getting off the the question here which is what what drew you to illustration <laughs> just so, talking about the value of graphic design right uh, that's, how, that's how quickly we can derail yeah but i will say this i i'm with lee and i think will's the same we're in this because we're not qualified to do anything else. Like, mm-hmm. like I, it's either be a, a full-time illustrator, an independent artist who like makes books and stuff, or it's like, I could get a job like at Costco, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, um, not that I'm not disparaging anybody that works at Costco, but I'm not qualified to manage, you know, to be a middle manager of a, of a team. I'm not qualified. You know, I don't know how to run, uh, uh, you know, any, I don't, I don't know how to do law. I don't know how to do any of this, like anything that is like a valid career. Right. Um, we I know how to draw. To... I know how to create images. I know yeah. how to tell stories. And so that's, that's where I'm at. I wasn't good in high school. I mean, my grades were horrible. I, I wasn't good at college. I, I think there may have been an attention problem or just laziness. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's that's consistent with all of us. I mean, at least for mm-hmm. I don't mean all artists in general, but just I did horrible in school. Yeah. What were, what was your high school grade point average? Do you remember? I, I'm embarrassed to say. So I I don't know. I can't remember because I I I didn't pay attention to that stuff. The only time I ever paid attention was it's like it was graduation day, and they kind of I think they ordered you in 
in, you know, the, the person with the highest GPA to the person with the lowest. No, maybe it was alphabetical. I can't remember. I just remember someone saying to me, oh, look, you are in, so it was a graduation class of 500 and you're number 251. So I was right like, in the middle. right you did in the pretty middle. good. <laughs> that was me right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I barely squeaked out of high school. And, and, and that's what I, what I feel most proud about uh, of all that mm-hmm. stuff was I had a 1.9 grade point average t- total bottom of the class. But then, and, and then when I was in college the first time and didn't know what I wanted to do, I would also like, you know, 2.0, I mean, just horrible grades. Cause I just did not care enough to, I just didn't have any focus. And then when I found art, and specifically illustration, had a 4.0 average in undergrad and a 4.0 average in my graduate studies. Mm-hmm. So it just, I mean, just what, it just depends on what kind yeah. of person you are. I, I just, and that was the same way with jobs, you know, going, bringing it back around to that. If I wasn't truly interested in it, I just didn't have enough, I don't know what the right word is, responsibility, focus. I don't know don't what it care. is. You just don't care. You just care. don't care. I'd rather yeah. be poor. I mean, I, I would yeah. rather have had no money. That was me. I remember specifically remembering college trying to study for some of my academic classes, going to the library, trying trying to be the the good student and just forcing myself to do it and being there for like 30 or 45 minutes and going, this is, this is pointless. I can't concentrate. I can't, I can't read mm-hmm. this for the fourth time and still not get anything out of it. I'm out of here. <laughs> and I got great grades in my BFA project, you know, in the, in mm-hmm. the, and in, in all of my art classes, but in the generals, I just, but one thing that I wanted to add to this, this question is the reason that I'm, you know, I had the opportunity to go into photography. I started out in graphic design with, with that job at the university of Maryland and later at, at um, BYU, the college that I went to, I had a graphic design job there too. And I thought I was, going to go graphic design. The thing that swayed me was I realized I more than making something look beautiful, I wanted to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and so that's really what got me when I took my first illustration class, I was like, okay. And I had started, you know, it, it was kind of full circle. Cause I, in high school, I was drawing basically illustrations, didn't know it. But it, yeah. but it's like that's where I kind of naturally was. So I mm-hmm. found myself going okay. And someone told me, you know, one of my student uh, peers, and when I was in school, said, "Well, the graphic designers have the more stable situation because they, the money flows through a company into the graphic design department, and then they hire freelance illustration from there. Mm-hmm. So if you want more job security." you should go graphic design. And I remember really waffling. And I and I still remember when I, because this is when I had to declare my major. I had a year of, of under, you know, of the pre-BFA mm-hmm. classes. And then after that, that year, that sophomore year, you have to make a decision. It's a fork in the road. And I remember putting graphic design and then erasing it out and putting illustration. Mm-hmm. Like oh, I wow. just, I was just like, go with the safe thing. Yeah. No, I got to do me. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, let the chips fall where they may. There's yeah. there's probably a certain amount of <clears throat> reinforcement that happens too that I think that 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 pushes people to pick whatever path they're going to be, whether it's illustration or whether mm-hmm. it's tennis or, or, you know, whatever you're going to do. If you start it and all of a sudden you start getting positive feedback 
Um, I think that's such a vital thing yeah. in life, you know, as kids, yeah. kids grow up and stuff. And I remember when, you know, I came to all this stuff really late. Um, and that the first group of paintings that I did that wasn't even for a class, I'm just doing them in my garage. Um, as I showed them around, people would come to my house or whatever. And, all, and, and the feedback I got was so much bigger than lip service. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It wasn't just like, oh, cool. You know, or somebody just saying, hey, that's a nice painting. You know, just that, yeah. you know, whatever yeah. pat on the back. It was people being like, oh, I'd like to buy this. You know what I mean? It was that kind of thing. Yeah. Or you should go talk to this gallery and they'll show your work or a restaurant. Mm -hmm. You know, you show a lot of cafes and restaurants mm -hmm. when you're just starting out. And, uh, and that feedback was like, wait, I enjoyed making that thing. And then all of a sudden these people want to do something with it or somebody wants to buy it. Um, that was huge in terms of making an actual decision to say, okay, I, th I guess I'm going to be an illustrator. I'm going to go to school for this and try to do it for a living. Um, I don't think I would have done that without that positive reinforcement that said, Hey, you're, 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 you might be pretty good at this. You bring up mm -hmm. a really good point too, because I wonder how many people have gone in, into illustration or any sort of art career that's kind of risky. Um, you know, that isn't guaranteed stable income. I wonder how many of those people either a had um, super supportive parents. They're like, yeah, you could do anything or parents that absolutely didn't believe in them. And they're like, screw you. I'm going to do, <laughs> I'm going to do whatever I want to <laughs> do. Like, right. like I, I have feeling, I have a feeling those that factor plays really, really hard in it. Like what, what you're raised as. So you're either so independent from whatever your parents think that you're just going to go do whatever you want to do, or you're relying heavily on your parents' encouragement. And so if you're like one of these people that really cares what your parents think and, and you, you, you trust them and you want to do what they say, and they say, don't be an illustrator, go do this other thing. Chances are you're going to go do the other thing. But if you're, if you don't like, if, if you're like, Oh, my parents really, I appreciate them. I love them. Thankful for all that they've done, you know, for me growing up, but they don't know what I'm really about and this path that I want to follow, you know, that's probably going to lead to the person taking that path as well. Now, but, let me um, ask you this to play, to play devil's advocate of that same. Yeah. Well, the other side of that coin is what I call the American idol syndrome where are you oh boy. like, <laughs> you know, those people who sound like a, like a dying cat, but they think they sound like Whitney Houston. I mean, that's mm -hmm. a problem. We you know when people can't mm -hmm. see their actual skill level. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, how do you judge which one you are? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think going back to what you were, you were saying, Lee, and that was having um, that positive reinforcement that's genuine and outside of you know, outside of people who have a vested interest, you know, in right? Because I think a lot of times in those situations where a kid is brought up thinking they're an amazing singer and they haven't, you know, it could be that the, the parents and the, the circle around them. Um, I don't know what the dynamic is there, but but if their kid isn't successful, it could be that that means they're not successful, you know, and so some of that might play into it. We're getting into deep psychology here, which we are right. not qualified to. Uh, I'm wondering if I really should send about. my son to American Idol now or not. <laughs> oh boy. Whatever. I don't care if, if you send your son or not. I just want you to like steer clear of that place yourself. So. <laughs> I want to love you. No, 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 no. Okay. Next question. <laughs> next question. Um, okay. 
I'll, I'll say this too. The last part, he says, what brought you to where you are right now? And why are you, why are you staying on that path? I think we've, we've pretty much answered that. It's like, what else are we going to do? Like, I still though, I mean, I have these, these things that I, I would like to try out. Like, I think it'd be cool to have a printing press and, and like, just make cool little books and things like that. You know, it's tangential to what I do, but um, I'm not doing that because I think the, the, the true passion really is in, I got to tell a story with my art. So mm-hmm. anyways, um, this is our next question from Marta. She says, help. I have a 32 page children's book to illustrate in two and a half months. Oh boy. So here's, here's what she says. Let's break this down. She says, first, I want to thank you, uh, Jake Lee and, and Will for the quality of the podcasts. We're always going to read a compliment. Thank you for that. We appreciate it. (laughs) She says, your advice in the videos of your own personal accounts and your classes on the SVS Learn platform. So she thanks us for all that. She says, they've helped her fill some gaps in her art education. Uh, It's amazing the number of things that I had no idea that I didn't know. Okay, now I have the opportunity to illustrate my first book. I hope to receive the manuscript in mid-May. The situation is far from ideal. I have little time to illustrate and I lose all rights. But in my current situation, the payment is too good to refuse. The equivalent of two years of my cost of living. Mm. So good wow. money, not a, not a good like um, deal, right? I, I think it's a good deal. So, so good well, yeah, is she, it's ask, good money. Is she asking, should she take the job or how well, does she navigate the job? I'm not done yet. So here's what she said. In terms of time management, I'm planning on giving thumbnailing more time to get the concept right and have good ideas for the drawings. If something must fall behind, I imagine it would better it would uh, be better to be painting. What are your thoughts on this and what steps and priorities would you take if you're in my place? Thanks in advance for all the help. Best regards from Portugal, Marta. So... The First question off, she's not asking should she take this job. It sounds like her, her yeah. decision's made up. She's, she's taking the it. money's yeah. good, she's taking it. So now how does she accomplish this? Where do you put your duck sauce? Like is it in is it in the uh the front end or in the back end, right? Like is it gonna be making sure like the storytelling all works, or is it making sure the illustrations all look pretty? If this was mine, man, that there's one step, step one that cannot be overlooked. And this is something that a lot of new illustrators overlook is ask for the time. I mean, and I don't know what the answer is going to be for that. And of course, we'll Mm -hmm. answer the rest of it if it is going to be seriously two and a half months. But you know, I swear every time I've asked, I think there's a real deadline and I ask for more time. I get it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so just don't think that there's not something else that you can get, especially if it's, uh, you know, couched under the idea that, that. I, I really want to make this product as good as it possibly can. And mm-hmm. in order to do that, it's going to take this amount of time. And, and, you know, I would even break down that email to, you know, I'm going to give three weeks to sketches and blah, 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 you know, here's some color studies and then how long the finishes will really actually take you and show them why you're coming up with it. It's not just a random date in the future, but it's based on, you know, moving this thing forward and in, in a reasonable and professional way. Okay. So having said that though, you know, I have bumped into where, no, we do not have any more time. So she might be in that situation. No, right, right, right. If I'm just saying that first not, off, ask. But yeah, yeah. Definitely yeah. ask for more time. The pro- Sometimes though, I, have you guys ever done this where you, you ask for more time, you get it, and you still end up in the pickle because then you sell some of that time to another client. 
I know you guys have done that. I know never, it. Never. You slide other projects in there because guess what? You got more time. Got you more can time. afford to. And now you're in the same exact situation. But yeah, um, I, I would I would schedule everything out. I'm sure she's already thinking along those lines. And just keep a really strict schedule of where you need to be, when you need to be there. And then even on that schedule, when, once I have my schedule, I don't schedule the last week. So, so I would schedule all the time except for the last week. So for, like move your deadline up a week. Right. And try to be done a week early. So you have one more week to tweak stuff. Cause it's, and try to forget about that extra week. Like make, make it even harder on yourself. Yeah. I, I would see okay, where, so, oh, go ahead. Well, the, 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 but the question is, which is better, the, the layout or the, the finished art, like the painting All of it. part? All I of mean, it. if you, if you have to choose, <laughs> give one priority over the other, you guys are dodging this question. No, the, the way to handle that part of it is look at the whole project with the, your, your, your deadline in mind and see how you can adjust it both from the front end and from the painting stage. At the front end, things I would start to look at is how much background can I eliminate from these spreads? Maybe there's, you know, say you're drawing the interior of a room, you know, even get rid of that, um, the, the, the ground plane line where the wall meets the floor. Like mm -hmm. there's no wall, there's no floor. Mm -hmm. Basically, there's no background. I buy all the John Klassen books you can mm -hmm. and start to design <laughs> that way. It's like, it's like, like basically I think of it as a, as, a, as a set for a play. Like they don't build an entire forest or something. They just have two or three trees. And then yeah. you think, okay, that's a forest. And so that's how I'd start to think about layout. And then likewise, moving forward to the finish, you know, mm -hmm. do you actually need to turn form in a realistic way? Or could you, can you block in form like Mike Magnola and, and lay in solid blacks or something like that? That yeah. all of a sudden is going to speed you up a massive way. So you look to each stage and say, what can I do to streamline that part of it? And, um, and you'll, you'll save a massive amount of time. One thing you might even illustrate too. a better book. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the other thing too, like, yeah, implying what's back there can, can, can save you a lot of time and, and, looks looks really cool so like lee said three trees equals a forest you know a, a picture frame and um and like a chair equals a room mm -hmm. um you know a, a cloud and 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 a and maybe some flowers in the background equals you're outside so you could get away with a lot of that and if you put all your time into one or two really finished lavished illustrations it'll make the rest of it feel like your brain can kind of fill in the, the blanks for the rest of them. The now devil's is, advocate. If she, it, oh, just to insert this is that, you know, she might have a style that, you know, they hired her to do her style and she can't change that style. So she I'm shouldn't like change the style, like her art director and the, and the general public won't know she's making these decisions. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If you, you choose to leave something out, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're going to just totally blank space but you right. know what i mean there's always a ways to simplify and keep us keep a style i mean look at nc wyeth those paintings that he does they look so full and so rich and if you look at what he actually painted there's not much there yeah i would say too like when i think about it this is a quick turnaround i don't think this book's going to win any awards i don't think this book's gonna be on you know it it, it Usually the books that are on lists and high reviews and big, you know, um, 
awards, you know, in the, in the award circuit and stuff like that. Those are usually books that have a ramp up and the, the illustrator has time to do it. And usually when a publisher needs something turned around this quick, it's something that they're just like, okay, we've got a list of books we've got to get out this year. Uh, oh, shoot, we're, we're, we're behind on this one. Let's just find an artist to get it knocked out. So I kind of feel like, I feel like I would make the illust- I would put your time and effort into making some pretty illustrations as opposed to making the layout and the the storytelling, you know, spending time there because you could use those pretty illustrations for more work and more portfolios. And if they're not pretty, you just don't have, I mean, it's harder for someone to look through that to see how well your storytelling is, right? Like to see the overall storytelling in it. So I would say do put your time and energy into making a very pretty book, have it be a portfolio piece or as pretty as you can make in two and a half months and have some, a few portfolio pieces you can pull out of it and then work on getting your next book project where you can spend six months or a year on it. Have you guys been pushed up against this, this actual problem in real life? Is that how you solved it? So many times. Where you literally don't have enough time. I mean, like if I, if somebody said you need to illustrate a book in two and a half months and I don't have sketches even done right now, mm-hmm. I'm in trouble. I don't know if I can mm-hmm. pull that off. Mm. Well, and I've, that's an, that's a whole nother topic because, you know, you're, you're looking at your career and you, you know that your future work is dependent on the work that you're doing today. So it's a catch 22 because, you know, I mean, this is this is the classic problem of an artist trying to make money and do art at the same time. You know, where ideally, your everything you put into your art is the best you can ever possibly do, so that you're building your portfolio and your reputation, so that you are getting bigger and better clients and budgets and timeframes in the future. So this is you know, when, when you don't, when you bump it up against this, it's, it's hurting that, you know, mm-hmm. like there, those trade-offs are going to hurt you somewhere. And so I think Jake, you're saying manage those. I, another way to look at it is some, like you, you're saying, get some portfolio pieces out of this so that you can leverage them into getting more work later on. Mm-hmm. You may look at that as the whole book, or you may look at that as getting a few pieces that you can show in your portfolio. That's what you I know, was thinking. Like, you, yeah, like you, like a few pieces, or you know, you, it maybe the whole thing doesn't have to work cohesively as this amazing book for your portfolio. Maybe you just—I've done that many times. But the, I think a key, a key flaw is to assume that the deadline is set. Assume that the style you have to do it in is set. Just making these assumptions that can kill the yeah. The level that you can bring this in. I, I just was thinking about a time where I had this specific problem. I was doing a bunch of work for Amazon, and uh, I had I think like four books that I was doing for them, and it both a time crunch. And I did not like the rights that they were giving me, so I was like kind of soured <laughs> on the whole thing anyway. Amazon sucks for that, by the way, for rights. I don't know if they've changed it, but they're awful. So don't work for them if they still have the bad rights. But I switched my style to it to just a simple two color job like black a color and then the white of the paper so there was ultimately three colors i could use and they were flat and i would and i leaned on line work a lot more heavily and they were super fun pieces and they they actually informed amazon was really happy with them 
I didn't tell them that I was going to do that. It wasn't my style at all. But they were happy with them. And then the uh, the next book that I did, which was a uh, uh, YA novel that had like 50 illustrations, I used that exact style for the interiors. And so that and that basically has driven how I do interiors now for for books. Mm. Mm. So it works out, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Any any follow up to that or any any anything we move good on luck. to the next one? I wish you yeah. wish you good luck. It's a good it's luck. a it's a, it's exciting too. I mean, you have work. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's exciting to be an illustrator to get work, especially getting. I mean, I th- I think that's a huge win getting two years worth of um, income. A huge for, one as an illustrator. So that's, yeah, it's a huge win. And I I did a book like that um, for a, a Christian press early on in my career where it was a buyout. Mm -hmm. I personally think that publishers are dumb for doing buyouts because they've taken your like, okay. So if the, if the illustrators committed and has a really a good perspective on their career and understands how important it is that they put their best work into the thing that they're working on, then, okay, the publisher wins. But when they buy you out of your future royalties, Mm -hmm then they're taking away your, your, um, your care. You know, they're in some ways they're going to be buying you out of like, well, I don't care if this sells well, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I'm not getting anything more. So I think personally, I think it's a dumb thing for publishers to do. Um, but, uh, I understand right. why some do it anyway. Yeah. Next, next question, how to deal with opportunity costs. I'm still new to the industry, but I'm doing well enough to call myself a full-time children's book illustrator. Congratulations. That's awesome. Um, I started out with working on projects which paid between 3K to 5K, but I've been fortunate enough to have landed a picture book deal with one of the top five trade publishers in the U.S., sort of like my dream project. During this time, so so this person's lower-paying illustration jobs finally landed a job with a real, like a big publisher. This is cool. Mm -hmm. During this time, I was offered another book deal for a handsome sum, but had to decline because it was because the publisher didn't have flexibility with the schedule. Honestly, my main reason for wanting that project was the money. It was a work for hire contract and targeted as an educational book. So it didn't hurt that much turning it down. But then I psyched myself out thinking, what if I Uh, What if I did accept the book deal and instead had to decline the big trade publisher project? I would love some advice on how to deal with opportunity costs when accepting any project. I do think I have potential to to attract good work opportunities, but I also don't want to miss out on decent projects that I can get because I'm being stupidly hopeful. So it's a common dilemma. You've got this one job with, you know, big publisher, then this other job comes, might even pay more than that, but it's not... Um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not with a big publisher. It's probably not going to be seen by as many people. It's used for, you know, other purposes. There's, there's not the glitz and the glamour that comes with it. So what do you guys do in those situations? What do you, how do you, how do you deal with, uh, with that opportunity? One of the, one of the biggest, best advantages of being a freelancer is you're not working for, you're not an employee right? You're, you're not mm-hmm. employed and no one can manage your time. You're managing your time. No one has to see your timesheet. And so you, this is my best advice on, on op- managing opportunity costs is always ask, it comes full circle to the other question is 
ask for as much extra time as you can, even if you don't need it. Because the thing is, you're trying to average out over a year. You're trying to make sure that your time's full. And so, yeah. So then the client that has the, the, the short deadline comes in first. And then another client might come in with the same kind of a short deadline. But if you can say, man, I really want to work on the, the first one that comes in. If you say, I really want to work on this, but I need more time. And you don't, right? In real life, you don't need more time. But you say you do. Because you don't know if that other client is going to come in. And now you can slide that one under. If the other guy doubled up your time, the first one, now you can start working on the other one. And I've done that so many times. And you have to. That's 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 a big complaint, actually, in the contracting world is, you know, the, the, when, you, um, when you're getting someone to come and work on, let's say, your roof. You know, you got a leaky roof and you, you hire mm-hmm. a roofer to come and they they're all excited to come and see you and estimate your, your roof. And mm-hmm. then like, we'll get on that. And then they don't show up. And then they, they start delaying. Well, that's because they're doing the same thing. They're trying right. to make sure that they can feed their family. They're trying to make sure that their plate stays full. So they've got you committed. They start on the job and then all of a sudden they kind of disappear for a while. That's because they're working on someone else's roof that came in and said, I got to have this done or I'm going somewhere else. Right. You know? And right. we're the same. We're contractors. five jobs at the same time. Yeah, we're contractors, so we have to manage that, that opportunity cost. And for me, the number one way is is getting more time, even when you don't need it. So Will's answer is: there's no opportunity cost because you just do everything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will, I'll speak to that, and and that is uh, is understanding what your priorities are at any given time. And then, mm-hmm. and then you'll be able to lean into that. You know, if it's portfolio building and, you know, attracting a higher level of client and you get an educational offer, you sort of know that that's not going to lead to that. You know what I mean? If, if, but you need, if, if you need to pay bills and all of a sudden money's the most important thing, well, then you take something short term that may not be the most ideal illustration job or even portfolio generating, but it's, it's solving that short term need. Um, you know, some things are going to be more important at some times of your career than others. And you just got, you have to figure out what that is. It can't just be like, okay, I'm open for business and I'll take whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you really do need to drive your career forward. And that, that's one of the lures. Uh, and, and I guess that's one of the traps of educational publishing in, in my experience, especially with seeing a lot of people go through it is they do a couple of jobs. Educational, for those of you guys who don't know, is where they get, they buy all the rights. They typically pay, pay really low. And, but they can keep you busy. I mean, they really can. They will work you because you're working for cheap and you're, and, mm-hmm. and they own all the rights there. Of course, mm-hmm. they're going to keep hiring you. So then you get stuck in this cycle. Can you do it? Can you do it? You feel great in the beginning. Hey, I'm, get, I'm making it as a professional illustrator. It's exactly where you start asking that question. Like at first it's like, Hey, I just want to make some money and get some professional experience. Okay. Here's an educational job. Okay. I'm going to do this for six months and I'm out at that point that getting published and being, uh, um, you know, art direct and stuff like that won't be the the uh, number one priority. Then all of a sudden, getting new portfolio pieces and getting a higher level client will become the priority, and you leave the educational publisher in you know behind. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you I pick think what that, you want to do. I think that's a really good point, and and both of you kind of like, I think solve this 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 problem. It's a figure out what your priorities are. Is it the um, you know, is it a financial goal or is it a career, um, you know, project goal? And once you have that in your mind, 
it doesn't matter what opportunities you say no to, you know, they weren't going to um, feed into that, you accomplishing that goal. Mm. So if you're sitting there thinking like, oh man, I should have taken that education job. The money was really good. Then maybe your priorities are money. And that is, and that is important. Um, and, and that's, that's totally fine. You, you gotta, you gotta pay the bills and, and survive. Right. Um, so, but then I like, I like Will's answer too. It's like, um, um, do what you got to do to, to pay the bills and then make sure you're also doing what you got to do to, to build your portfolio. And I, I, I always like pointing to like Hollywood directors cause they're at like the pinnacle of, I think the financial scale for creative work, <laughs> you know, these mm-hmm. guys are getting paid millions. They're working on very high profile projects. They're working with hundreds, maybe thousands of people underneath them. You know, there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of things going on, going on with that. And these guys are still doing one job for the studio to make money. They're doing, you know, look at Christopher Nolan doing their Batman movies, and then they get to do their personal work. And then they got to do a Batman movie to fill up the, you know, fill up the bank account. And then they could do the personal work. Right. Um, so, you know, it's no different. It's no different on this level too. Like, yeah. you know, it might be that, that you do something else to make money so that you can do these perhaps lower paying jobs, but, but will lead to a higher profile and, and lead to, you know, some, some better paying better paying gigs, but maybe, you know, maybe it is, you have a part-time job or a full-time job and you're illustrating nights and weekends. Um, that's totally a legitimate path to path to go town. Uh, I've got an uh, anecdote that go along with that is, you know, you take my career and I took everything that I could get my hands on for the first 15 to 20 years. And then I was able to, for the last 10, been really able to be a lot more picky um, so things really worked out in mm-hmm. my favor that way. However, you take Brett Helquist, um, who illustrated the series of uh, his probably most famous property is the um, series of unfortunate events. And he he and I went to school together and he um, took a completely different path. And instead of taking every job that came along, he was very picky very protective of opportunity cost and only took projects that he thought he could make, uh, you know, that, that he loved, that he could fall in love mm-hmm. with. And he would work on one at a time and he would turn down anything that came in because I'm working on this project that I'm trying to turn into gold. I mean, he would try, he, he would massage and, and just perfect every project that he put out. Well, he's a big name today, much bigger than me in the, yeah. in the publishing world. And, and uh, I've always looked at his career and gone, you know, maybe I should have done it that way, you know, but, yeah, but I was really focused on how many people are that. listening to Brett Hillquist's podcast. None. Cause he doesn't have one. <laughs> That's true, but he doesn't yeah, have to. He doesn't care. Yeah. He's in his mansion. Uh, we're looking the ocean. <laughs> we're slogging it out down here. I will say that uh, that figuring out opportunity cost and what you should do never gets easier. Maybe it even gets harder as it goes. One th- one thing about Will and Jake that I've noticed is that they're 
they're good at this, at hiring at like, say, say like Jake always has people in the background, even during the podcast, like, like fill in orders. I don't know what they're doing back there, but he's always got an assistant <laughs> doing something. And, uh, and, and will too, even on his Kickstarter, he gets these teams involved and I've been less, uh, I want to do that but I'm just not, almost not, organ- I've got two assistants that are awesome. Every time they're going to show up, I always start thinking about it like 30 minutes before they get there. And then I scramble for what th- I'm going to have them do. Typically, I don't have all the stuff together. And then I'm like, well, I'm blowing this opportunity. Now I'm paying them for, <laughs> I don't have anything <laughs> together. It's just, it's just hard. I'm, I'm trying, I'm at the point where I need to scale a little bit and I don't know how, I don't know how to, how to allocate those resources, how to, how to be a manager and then still get the work done. So I end up then doing it all myself. Like if I'm bagging prints, that's a horrible use of my time. Mm-hmm. Right. You should be but yeah, designing I'm still the bagging next print. The, <laughs> right. But I'm still bagging the print because I forget to take the supplies in for my assistant to have. It's just a, it's yeah. tough to do. And you, you guys have been a lot better about it than me. Yes, we have. We really have. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that, I got to go bag some prints. I got to go. I'll see you later. Okay. All right. <laughs> Uh, it's it's it is it's uh, everybody's learning uh, different things at different speeds and uh, you know there's things that i'm looking at other people where i'm like holy cow how do they manage all of that stuff and it's you just take on what you can and you learn what you could do and you do a little bit of time and eventually you're you're handling it all um i think that's it for this episode we uh we killed an hour so let's uh let's Let's wrap it up. What do you guys say? Okay. Let's wrap. Take us out. All right. All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Three Point Perspective is made possible by svslearn.com, where becoming a great illustrator starts. Go to svslearn.com and check it out. Uh, we've got um, we've got tons of classes uh, that you can download and watch, and uh, and learn how to learn how to become like what what would we say? Light and shadow is a good one. Um, color Will's color theory class is amazing. We've got some character design classes. Anything that you're going to need to learn and know um, as an illustrator, we cover over there. So check that out. Your hosts have been Will Terry, Lee White, and Jake Parker. Uh, Will Terry can be found at willterry.com and also at Will Terry Art on Instagram. Lee White can be found at leewhiteillustration.com and also Lee White at leewhiteillo. Um, I mean, on Instagram at Lee White Yellow, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, I'm mrjakeparker.com. It's my website. And you can find me at on Instagram at Jake Parker. Blah. Podcast. I stick around at the end, by the way, just to hear you. It's entertaining for me to see if you can get through. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't want this job anymore. I'm going to give it to <laughs> one of you guys. Podcast don't, try to, don't try to opportunity cost us. our podcast is produced by daniel2 and you can find him at daniel2.co that's daniel2.co special thanks to our svs production manager david bro helping keeping things running smoothly over here and also thank you to our social media specialist lisa fott for all she does to get these episodes out to the world via social media all right i think that's it see you next time (laughs) 